0: Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now introducing your host for the show. Hey, property magicians. Welcome to episode 58. My name is Vangile Makokwa and I am your host uh, for the show. You can find me under Wealthy Money on Facebook and Vangile Makokwa on Instagram and Twitter. And with me is my co-host.
1: Hey there. Hi. I am Dr. Miranda, prop dog mom on all the platforms, Insta, Facebook and Twitter, Twitter, yeah. (laughs) Hi there, and welcome to episode 58. (laughs) I forget Twitter because, yeah. Gosh, I am so scared of Twitter. Anyhow, I'm going to grow up one day and be used to Twitter. Episode 58 was special, wasn't it?
0: It was very, very special. So, guys, on episode 58, we have (laughs) Silo. and he is with us to talk about quantity surveying. Um, It's been such an eye opener. Like I really told you that I thought architecture and quantity surveying those episodes, we'd have to muddle through them and they've turned out to
1: be fascinating, amazing. I know, amazing. (laughs) I think Silo was very generous and for anyone here that has decided that they are going to build their 3 million rent house without mm-hmm. a quantity surveyor or without an architect, think again. Without yeah. getting one of them to do your project management of the project, think again. I'm not yeah. even talking about a commercial building right now. I'm just saying mm-hmm. when you have got an investment of 3 million and above and, and you value your money, I think yeah. talk to a quantity surveyor. Your contractor will tell you certain things that quantity surveyors will have an improvement on. So this episode is for everyone, property investors, just a property owner who's building a house, mm. come to the fireside. Let's teach you mm.
2: something.
1: Mm, yeah, yes. Right?
0: Well said, I really am. Nothing else to add. Let's move right along to this incredible episode. All I'm going to say is, guys, get your coffee, get your journals, get your uh, pens. Yeah, (laughs) you're going to want it. (laughs) Hey, uh, let's meet Silo. Hey, hi, Silo. It is so great to have you on the show.
2: Hi, morning, morning, ladies. Thanks for having me on this uh <laughs> a wonderful show. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thanks. Welcome to our lounge, the Sri Lanka South Africa lounge.
0: Yeah, That's this cool. is where all the magic happens. So, Tilo, okay. can you please tell us about yourself? What do you do? What is your day job?
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um I'm a, um, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, wow. Quite a few businesses, um, uh, ranging from a consulting firm, a boutique consulting firm called Masebi Consulting, um, which I've been running for the past 20 odd years. Um, it's, it's more of a, a, a family business that I've started myself when I left varsity. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. my core business. And then I've got interest in a um, property development company called 35 Western Properties. Um, We do more property development um, for commercial uh, clients. And then I've got an interest in a IT company um, where we develop apps for the uh, construction industry. And then I've got smaller interest in uh, sort of financial services company. Uh, where I've joined, uh, ventured with uh, um, another boutique sort of uh, financial services firm, where we offer financial services um, in terms of uh, capital for um, uh, contractors and consultants in the uh, built environment uh, that have projects but are struggling to get to raise capital. But I think the focus for today will be on Masebi Consulting. Which is a, um, a a professional quantity surveying mm. management and transaction advisory firm that uh, is very sort of lean and mean, um, and it's it's, be- it's basically my 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 brainchild, and I am a um, executive director in the business, and it's owner managed by myself. Uh, we are based in in Pretoria and in and our focus is mostly on um, on, on 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 government. Um, predominantly on government uh, projects like hospitals, clinics, and schools, and on private sector uh, okay. projects, we've got uh, clients that are more NGOs and and so uh, and, and and more financial services clients. That's that's pretty much um, mm-hmm. what I do. Uh, my sort of my day to day running, uh, I look after these businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All
1: right. Wow. I'm interested in that. Um, finance and offering capital um for 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 and is isn't that just amazing because i can imagine you know most of the contractors you'll find they they run their small little holdings isn't it and um your formal banks don't look at them in the same way or development
2: funds are quite mm, a thing to raise isn't it yeah, I, I feel like it's it's more the banks are not really for um, sort of small uh, medium enterprises. Uh, they no, make it not. difficult for you to, to 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 raise capital. They make it mm. very difficult for you to access funds, even if you have a contract or you've been running your business very well and you've got mm. a solid track record. So it's almost like red tape that they've created, um, mm. mainly for black businesses. Uh, mm. to make sure that we don't get access to funds and inherently mm. from that you will find that we 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 fail in our in our ventures you know in our business ventures um so mm-hmm. that's where we saw I, I saw a gap i saw a gap yeah. in the market and i said look um l- why don't we make it a slightly more simpler for guys to be able mm. to get access to funding because we know mm. these guys um, we know the industry We know the clients, we can almost like vet and do due diligence and see if something is legit or not. And we know the processes that they have to go through um, Mm. from getting an appointment Mm. letter, delivering on a service. And we've got a very solid network in that space as well. So if um, I'm not sure about a project, I can call one of the government departments and find out whether it's a legitimate uh, uh, contract or not and what are the, the yeah. yeah? And what are the the terms and conditions on that
1: contract? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, wow. I I can appreciate that because when you're doing a development, there's lots of upfront capital that you have to be putting in, isn't it? Mm. And where do they raise that? And you know you're going to make money at the end, but how do they even start buying the brick and the bag of cement? Wow. Well, yes. it's bit,
2: ma- mainly for contractors they need bridging capital to get them from yeah. from, from appointment yeah. letter, okay to first or second invoice normally mm. by the second invoice the guys have yeah. have, have made enough money of their own through their invoices to be able to um to fund the rest yeah. of the project so we would help mm, them navigate yeah. yeah that's normally what i'm saying yeah mm.
1: Mm. So the the capital that you offer them, short-term capital, I'm I'm, I'm just surprised that we are talking, (laughs) this was meant to be QS, but this is very interesting as well. So this is like a short-term capital provider, would you say? And are the interest rates competitive or they are like
2: the banks or higher? Uh, look, the, the the interest rates are, are, are competitive in the sense that they are profiled according to the risk that's associated with each specific um, uh, a project. But yeah. we, you know, we have limits. That, for instance, we can't go up uh, beyond fifty percent before because we feel that um, it's 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 unfair to expect um, a, a, a someone to be able to to raise capital. Uh, over about fifty percent of what they require at that point in time, and to of be course. able okay. to pay, at, you know. Okay. So it's like short-term finance. Um, mm-hmm. Turnaround time is anything between what sixty to ninety days. Um, yeah. wow. Yeah, and we try to make we link the 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 interest rates to 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 the profile of the project, the risk profile of each project i see yeah i see um, the the point is 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 we're not a loan shark Um, yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh, Mm. uh, 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 we're just a bridge for guys Mm. to get from a to b so that they can carry on the 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 rest of the project for themselves and with most guys i mean they ask us to buy material for them yeah that's all you know so once the material gets bought uh, it lands on site, and we insure we it. We call it material on site, and we yeah. we insure the material so that if it gets stolen, uh, we, it can be replaced. And then yeah. the their client subsequently then pays us directly through a session, you
0: mm-hmm. know,
2: and then mm-hmm. the, the balance of the money gets paid to them, and they carry on. Now they've, exactly. they, they've got material to do work. All they have to worry oh, about wow. is the yeah. quality of the work and making sure that they, they, they do uh, the, the proper work and that they pay their the, the and their
1: first the invoice pays mm. and then they, they carry on so look, this is such so an important a... thing this is such an important yeah. thing for for small developing construction and this this podcast is mm. about such things this is such a gem because mm. most people mm. just don't know they will get a contract and get stuck they've got the PO and they are stuck with just starting and they borrowed yeah. them yeah, sell this, sell that. And breaching finance um, capital is such an important thing. And if, yeah, and for small businesses, and that's what we need, right? We are developing young developers. They don't have money and they don't even have assets mm. that you can put anything against. So this is such a gem. I hope someone is yeah. listening this. Yeah, yeah. definitely so.
0: Anyway, so I'm just interested do you are you um do you only fund contractors or um do you fund other people within the real estate industry
2: so no, is it for contractors no 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 it's it's pretty much um everyone who needs access to capital as long uh-huh. as they can um, be and it's not necessarily um uh, um Restricted to the uh, construction industry or the built environment. We've got guys that are supplying hospitals with uh, uh, you know, PPE and and, and general oh, support. Oh, wow. What? Us and, yeah. And, and those yeah. Are, are good contracts because the margins are very good for them. Um, yeah. And the turnaround times are normally 30 to 60 days. So mm. for us, it's very important the turnaround time because we use the same funds to fund the next person yeah okay i'm sitting somewhere you know it's our own capital that we've raised over over a period of time you know mm-hmm. we've yeah. said this, we see there's a gap in the market um, and yeah. so let's see how we can assist other guys because we faced that challenge ourselves in the past. yourselves you know, another example that
0: makes a
1: I lot had of sense, sense. I hate, I mean, a, a a property investor who had units that were standing and were incomplete, right, about nine of them, and she was looking for funding. The funding that she had for the development of the project, as you can imagine, had been depleted because they had to break down walls, rebuild walls and whatever. Now, the the primary funder couldn't continue to fund her. They were like, "Mm -mm, this is the maximum we're giving. So for refurbishment, so that she can finish the units, and tenant the units now, you know? Those are the kind of bridging fine uh, capital that you're talking about.
2: Yes, that's exactly where we can, we can come and assist. Oh, because I like that. With our expertise as well, why we're comfortable about the built environment is that we can assist in making sure that the project continues from where it yeah. stopped, where the challenges yeah. were, you know? Mm-hmm. And then mm. we can carry on and make sure that it it's it it's it, you know it's delivered on time i mean we've got credit with certain um uh, supply houses where they yeah. can give us material on credit we make sure we, com- we 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 finish the building and the income starts rolling in
1: absolutely, oh okay. gosh. Yes listen this is why we do this podcast so thank you for coming <laughs> so,
0: yeah. weird,
1: weird, weird. so thank you for bringing that up and just giving us in totality guys term yeah. reading finance is so important when you become a property investor especially in the so market. True where you've got all sorts of things and you've got this maintenance to do so that mm. it gets tenanted and you start cash flowing. You know, this is such mm. an important term. You're going to have to leave proper details there, Silo. Thank you. What <laughs> are you doing something about yeah, that are I, there? Actually,
0: <laughs> I actually have a question. So Silo, mm. I'm very, very interested in um your repayment terms. So mm. in terms of repayment, do people um, have to pay everything all at once or do you have installments? How is this interest repaid after 60 mm. or 90 days? Mm. And is there a penalty if someone um, can't pay within 60 to 90 days?
2: Yeah. So how it works with the repayment structure, that's why it's very important to to assess every sort of application that comes to on our table, Okay. To yeah. assess the risk that's associated with that, so you'd look at the yeah. contract, right, and the actual sort of bill of quantities or the actual terms of the contract to understand the payment terms first,
0: right?
2: Yes. So we always like doing supply type contracts because they're simple. You know, we don't yeah. necessarily get involved in the quality assurance of the work. So if if we supply you with the material, how whether you finish the project or you don't build a wall straight or you don't have the right quality, etc. doesn't become part of our deal, you know? So we would yeah. really like helping guys to give them access to sort of the bridge. So we bridge them and say, I want to start my RDP development project, but I don't have funds to buy material. We would come in, buy the material, deliver it on site. We get paid. We walk away. Mm. Oh, that mm. is short term. Yes. Purely short term. Mm. So we make sure mm. it's pure short term. It doesn't go beyond 90 days. Absolutely. That's why we want mm. to avoid the risk of what happens once someone goes beyond 90 days. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. yeah. So, okay. so the level of funding depends on the risk profile yeah. yes. of the application. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. like yeah. so we try to make so sure that we don't go down down that, beyond uh, 90 days. I mean, that, oh, okay. We funded um, uh, 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 um, uh, um, uh, a company that was um, supplying stuff that was being imported from China, All right? So yes. This COVID thing, uh, a, a pandemic that's hit everywhere in the world. Uh, now there's a backlog in terms of, of logistics of getting shipments through to this side of the world from China. Normally, it takes twenty two days. You know. Yeah. Now it's over 60 days now. So you see what yeah. it's doing to the, the rest of the of the program. Mm. You know, it's got an impact on it. But that's a risk that we took. Mm. You know? So
0: Absolutely. we are
2: bearing on that and, and we are holding his hand and saying, no, 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 don't panic. Let's see it mm. through. Let's see what happens mm. when everything gets resolved. And then let's reconcile once you know once, 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 once the, the money comes comes in. Because oh, I did bridge that gap. Because without us, we wouldn't have have been able to even order stock from China. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I re- I really like having spent some time in China myself. Um, mm. I used to own a manufacturing um, a, a, a factory in 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 Shinkai in China. Mm. So I know mm. the land there. So I immediately said, no, He had uh, issues uh, 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 in terms of logistics on that. And I picked up the phone and phoned a few of my contacts there. And they made Mm -hmm. sure that we write, you know, um, we've been given the the right attention. And they they gave me sort of an an update on what's happening on on that that part of the world. Mm Wow, man. So that kind of thing for the industry as well, that helps, you know, because I can sit down and assess and and i realize there's nothing he can do if if the if the stock is 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 stuck in china um Mm -hmm. um and and it's waiting on a port somewhere in in shinkai there's not much he can do it's just Mm -hmm. waiting and just try and hope that you know uh, uh, everything goes smoothly
1: okay Mm I think this is mm. such an important part of financing of financing in the value chain of of of, of property and property development. It's mm. such a such a slap. Mm. Another friend was moving into an office block that needed demarcation, and just getting money for demarcation. And I mean, he, he runs a big firm, a big law firm. Just knowing that they are using finance houses that fund something like that the bank doesn't have a classification for that he needed to make sure there are parking lots make sure the bathrooms are up to stretch in terms of occupational health and safety and whatever and Mm -hmm. and he had a po for a big job that was coming but they don't use future income as they you need to be flush with cash right now but why would you borrow
2: when you are flush with cash you know that doesn't even make sense it doesn't. No, that's the, it doesn't. That's the principle with the banks, so is that you need to prove to them that you don't need the money that you're asking for. You know? <laughs> so the and bank. Does. <laughs> that, <laughs> so
0: they- that makes no sense whatsoever to me. It's ridiculous.
2: No, wow. <laughs> the fun- how the banks function is that <laughs> they borrow you an umbrella, right? When the sun mm. is standing in your eye and it's irritating you. And when it starts yeah. raining, they take away yeah. that umbrella. <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> they take it away so that's why we saw, like, oh yeah. my god I want to assist you
1: i am so wow. liking this because i yeah. am for me i had never seen you know there is an extremely excellent brilliant plumber that i know but he 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 you know he ran into problems and trouble cash trouble and whatever he's restarting his business one his workmanship is top but he can't get finance to say, okay, I will pipe this whole house for you that costs $5 million. I am going to charge you 15000 and whatever. And the owner mm. says, yeah, you bring the material. I don't want any wastage and whatever. All he needs is someone to begin. You know, I had to bridge him some money. And he says, I'll start with this stock for 6000 so that this guy can trust me. And he was Desperate, so look, and if I had known there's wow. something like that, so so you know, and most of the artisans are like that, they run a really small business, and somebody wants an income statement, and what and what, and wow, when come, mm, yeah, yeah, I like this very much, yeah, yeah. Mm,
0: yeah, no, this makes sense, and I think also a lot of uh, a lot of bands. Don't understand a lot of modern businesses. So they, no, they unwrap their ha- their heads around it. So yeah. if you can figure out something that is um so I feel like if they asking for certain things and you're an artisan and you you don't have the funds for a monthly bookkeeper, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. Or they're yeah. not understanding the business that you're in and the turnaround times in that business, it's then you'll never get the funding, you know? And also, um, I think a lot of banks are still working from the space of you need surety, not only surety, but then you also need assets to be able to secure the loan. And honestly, a lot of us, a lot of uh, young Black people and a lot of young Black artisans don't have those assets because we don't come from backgrounds where our parents have assets (laughs) or they have enough, um I don't know, enough capital to sign surety, yeah. you know, so that yeah. is also the issue.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, look, that's so helpful. So, let's talk about quantity surveying a little bit. What yeah. is that? Like, Why is quantity your that? Why is the skill even important in real estate investing? Why should I even know what a QS is? big words that I don't need. When I have a builder, I have a builder. Can they just
2: yeah. come and build? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the easier way to explain it is using the Afrikaans' definition of a quantity surveyor. They call us a khabogwe riekenar. Oh, a so basically, yes. Which means you are a building accountant. That's what mm. it
0: is.
2: So essentially, wow. a, a quantity surveyor's job is to account for each and every little cent uh, that gets spent on a project or doesn't get spent on a project. Right. See, the most important thing um, around uh, any pr- property development project or even government project is the the return on investment, the ROI. Yeah. Um, for you to, to, de- to be able to determine what your return on investment is, you need to be able to determine how much capital is required on that project from mm-hmm. from planning all the way to close off and sometimes uh, okay. uh, through the 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 running of the project as well
1: yeah
2: so you need a quantity surveyor. you need someone to be able to 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 estimate to work out how much a project is going to cost you in the future because you're always building in the future you know
1: yeah. so you're
2: yeah. able to determine what your commitment is before you go to a funder um as part of your your business plan so we get involved yeah. in very very early stages in the project. Um, the first people that really get approached in the project are, are, are architects, who are the guys that design the look and feel of a, of 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 a, of of a development. Then once mm-hmm. they've done those things, then then they send them to us and say, how much? I, I like how this house looks like. I like how this office looks like, or how the right. shopping or the school. It looks nice. Yeah. How much is it gonna cost me? That's when we come into play, and we will work out how much is going to cost you from what it's going to, how much you're gonna pay me and the professionals mm-hmm. to design this thing for you. You know yeah. how much is going yeah. to, to cost you to pay the contractor to build this thing for you, Absolutely. and how much is going to cost you to repay your 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 your, your, your here. You know the yeah. person that's funding this because you need to pay them back. Whether it's a bank or it's yeah. a small company like us. Or it's whoever that's 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 behind you, you know, that's yeah. funding mm. to to yeah. to basically pay them. So we help with financial modelling as well. And yeah. um, once now um, another role that we play is yeah. uh, you hear a lot about uh, words going around about tenders and tenderpreneurs and things like that. Yeah. The USs are the guys that put up the actual tender document, which determines the scope of work. Uh, that needs to happen on a specific project. So, once we've, we've agreed budgets. We are the guys that, that go and, and, and find the relevant, uh, qualified, experienced uh, uh, contractors and that are able to deliver mm-hmm. on a on project. And mm-hmm. the process that we mostly use uh, in terms of getting these contractors on board or assessing if they're the right guys is through tenders. So, we're the guys that put up the tender document, uh, put it through a supply chain, and then uh, guys on the other end, the contractors will will respond to those tenders. Okay. Yeah. And say, I can build this building for you for X amount. You know? And then if yeah. it's within budget and they have the right um, sort of experience and they've got the right uh, uh, capital and they, you know, they, 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 they they, they reach what we call our function, functionality requirements, then yeah, they'll be yeah. the guys that we appoint. Now that we've appointed the guys, we need to manage those same contractors on the oh, physical okay. side and mm-hmm. make sure that this is our new budget. These guys don't go beyond this budget or go way too less the, uh, this budget and make sure that the quality of work that they do um, is, 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 is up to scratch with what the drawings are saying and specifications. You oh, know? Okay. So we don't stop at budgeting. We see the project through mm-hmm. until okay. the last day and we sign final accounts and we say, everybody has been paid. We're happy with the work that's been done and here's the occupation certificate and you as the owner will give you the key to your new property development. And um, yeah, that's when our job uh, ends to a certain extent because what we tend to do with contractors, yeah, they are very, um, uh, some, uh, the, some, some, some contractors are very tricky, so they will paint over a crack on a wall. Of course. You won't <laughs> see it. Wow. So what they we do, do, we don't pay them full amount when mm. they finish the work. We hold back some money, it's whole retention. So we retain part of the money that they're supposed to be paid for a certain period. probably oh. most of For I any see, defense yeah. that we pick up. So it's almost like a deposit. So it's like a holding deposit to check there's things that they didn't do right. And if they didn't do things right, we take that money, we fix those things ourselves. Or if they did everything according to specification, then we get paid. Yeah. So our role is is really more financial management role and quality uh, uh, control that you were referring to a bit earlier. Vangi, mm. around quality assurance and quality control. That's that's a big part of our, our, our job, making sure that the guys pay, get paid for quality work that they've done. If they don't do quality work, we make them break what they've done and redo it again.
1: Wow. So as a QS, are you saying then you, you both have in school or in your training, your training involves building and and then the quantification as well of the building material is that is that what is taught in in, in in when you are going to qualify as a QS?
2: Yeah, so so it's a building science qualification. So right. you go in the first year. We go in the same class with the engineers that are in the wow. building. The, you know the electrical guys, the mechanical, awesome. uh, the mm-hmm. contract uh, 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 managers, the architects. You know, everybody that you end up working with in the industry, you start yeah. in the same class with to teach you the technical part of building. It's I very, very wow. that you um, learn the actual physical understanding of how a building gets planned and how a building gets built. You know, I'm happy. Uh, bricks and mortar, how do you build a wall? How do you, you know, I build feel a wow. physical, uh, concrete wall? How I do you, wow. you need to understand wow. the technical part that goes into that. It's very, very okay. important. Yeah, so that yeah, because a building is not something like an IT software that sits in a cloud somewhere. A building is something physical that you can see, you know, touch, Mm -hmm. touch and feel, and that's why the sort of banks like using buildings as a form of security because you can't pack it up and leave with it when you owe them money. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: just thinking how many people have packed up and left to things that they owe people money on because humans
2: are like funny Bars and things like that you know. right? right so the
0: thing that's coming up for me is actually one of the reasons why I keep like wowing wowing uh, one mm-hmm. of our former guests by the way Papa, brought it to my attention that I say wow a lot <laughs> I was that's
2: like, yeah, that's your <laughs> mantra, so it's good.
0: <laughs> right? So I was like, yes, yes. okay, I was about to say wow again, but okay, let me stop. Anyway, I, this is very, very fascinating to me. Firstly, what's coming up for me is something very personal. I'm like, I've got to start giving my dad respect. (laughs) Like, (laughs) more respect. He used to be a quantity surveyor. And I'm thinking, wait, we ran this property podcast. I could actually go to my dad for advice because I only know him as a pharmacist. He became a pharmacist uh, when I was born. So okay. he went back to school right before I was born and uh, studied pharmacy. But before then, he spent years being a quantity surveyor. And he always tells us, you know, I'm a quantity surveyor. I know these things. And I'm like, oh, whatever. And now I'm like, no man. I've got to respect this man more. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just very interested. Do all building projects require a quantity surveyor? Uh, a quantity surveyor, for example. Do residential building uh, projects require a QS? And uh, when I'm flipping a building or I'm doing a flipping project, would I also bring in a QS if I'm not planning to buy and hold? Is there a requirement? Are there some projects that you can just be like, no, I'm good. You don't have, you don't need one.
2: Look, um, it depends on the profile of your project. In most pro- instances, um, you need a quantity survey. In essence, let me put it to you this way. There's three things that you need to manage in a property development. Whether it's a refurbishment, it's a new development, it's a schools residential, it's an infrastructure project, wh- whatever type of project. Or it's your flip, it's a new flat that you bought and you want to flip. So you need to renovate yeah. quickly. The, the three things that you need to manage is the quality, Right, okay. of the work yeah. that today, You know, yeah. so that's why you need an architect to design the thing for you. What is going to look and feel, or if you design it yourself, you need to have some sort of a plan. You know, mm, so yeah. this is what I want this thing to look like when it's finished. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. one, number one, number two is the time because everything's re- mm. pretty much time. You want to flip something. You need to flip it over a certain period of time as quick as possible. Right. Mm. Yeah. So time management becomes very crucial. That's why you need a, normally a project manager who looks at coordinating and making sure that everything gets done on time and it's the right mm-hmm. quality. The third part is your budget. Yeah. Unless you have an open-ended budget and you, you, know, you, you have a rich uncle somewhere who just keeps on mm-hmm. funneling money your way and you don't have yeah. a, a need for return on investment. That's where the ROI yeah. is coming back. So for that part, that's the most crucial part that the QS comes, comes in. We make sure that yeah. we manage your budget. We determine your budget and we manage that budget. And we make sure that yeah. that doesn't go beyond your budget because you have limited resources. Yeah. So that was very important. And people get it wrong. I mean, even with the, 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 the lady that you, you, were, you were mentioning a little bit uh, earlier, Miranda, that she, um, she sort of started a project and, and, and stopped because they weren't managing the costs properly. There were cost overruns mm. and like that. those could have been avoided if for a, a, a certain fee, you had a quantity surveyor, you know, that was managing those funds for you because we make sure that there's a cash flow that gets uh, sort of followed through in the project, that it doesn't go beyond that cash flow, you know. So oh. what we, we, we pay you as you build. So once yeah. you build, say, out of 100% of the project, the foundation is 15% of the project, right? We make sure that once you finish the the, the, the foundation, you get paid fifteen percent, nothing more, you know, so wow. that if you can 't finish the rest of the job. we still got the balance of the money the eighty five percent in the bank account that if you can 't finish the job, someone else can come and take over
0: Wow, you see so, so it's a standard industry practice because yeah. I know miso and I have heard a lot of stories of uh projects that weren't finished but you've already paid the contractor all the money how does that happen then if what you're saying is like standard industry practice but then pro- contractors like don't finish projects and the money runs out runs out what's happening in that
2: case look it, it it's really it's it's it really comes to professionalism it it purely tells you that something was not done right you know, something yeah. wasn't done according to, 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 to protocol or to industry standards. So, I mean, if you overpay mm-hmm. the, a, a contractor, there must be a very massive valid reason why you're doing that. And you need to motivate it to the client first. The client needs to yeah. approve it first. And you all need to be on the same page that we are taking a risk. Because the minute you, you start giving money to a contractor, you know, um, they could easily disappear. We've seen in a lot of projects where people get the first invoice and they go and buy a Range Rover and they disappear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that that is, don't don't get me
0: started on that Zillow. Like <laughs> <laughs> she's going to take us on a tirade. Wrong. Oh, <laughs> don't see, that's touch that's her on, on
1: that oh, topic. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, I, wow. no, I'm vindicated. I'm vindicated. Yeah. I'm glad <laughs> you who said it. I'm quiet. I'm serious, <laughs> <laughs> but you know yeah, deep down in your soul, you want yeah. to add quite a few on
0: this. <laughs> you want to add a bit on this.
2: Yeah. So if you <laughs> if you're a professional <laughs> quantity surveyor and you you're appointed to manage finances on a project, right? And you let these cost overruns happen and people are getting paid left, right, and center without any work happening, you run a risk of of, of losing your license. So we, we have licenses very similar to doctors and lawyers. We, we belong ah, to an association of wow. quantity surveyors, you know? Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So what they do, they determine um, our, our behavior and our, our sort of um, uh, how we, we treat clients and they set standards for us, uh, industry standards, and they police okay. us as well. To make sure that oh, wow. we don't use our powers, because we 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 deal with the purse, you know, we hold the purse for each project. So to make sure that yeah. we don't use funds um, uh, on projects, and we all, we don't overpay people. Those are the people that if if I don't do my what I was supposed to do on your project, uh, Vani, you can you can easily complain to them. You can write them a, a letter, an email, etc. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that will reprimand me to an extent where if I I I, I really it's something really um, negligent. They will take my license away. And then I cannot this
0: practice. Is as a quantity this is incredible.
2: This is such an important thing. Mm. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. Another, and,
2: and another thing that's very crucial to to, to to sort of state and to be aware yeah. of, you are not allowed to practice, right, or to own a quantity surveying firm if, right, if you are not a professional registered quantity surveyor. So it's it to own Yes. Yeah. So it's for you oh, to own 50 plus 1% of a firm that practices as, as a quantity surveyor or that offers quantity surveying services. You need to be right. a professional registered uh, uh, quantity surveyor. Um, okay. And fortunately for me, because I practice in the UK, I'm registered Ooh. in the United Kingdom as well. Uh, oh, as as a, as, as, a, as, a, as a chartered surveyor that side, right. they call it MRIX. and i'm a prqs so that means professional registered qs i have a practice number here as well so it's those things that are very crucial to save god that we need to look at
1: yeah oh that's so important for me you are saying there will be quantity surveyors who are not Professionally registered in that way. So there's a whole range of what quantity surveyors are, mm. just like you have in the draftsman and then architect yeah. and the draftsman.
2: Mm. Oh, I
1: see. So for you to be registered,
2: you have to go through, you start as, as a candidate. So you would register as a candidate quantity surveyor. You have to yeah. practice, right, under a registered quantity surveyor quantity who's sort surveyor. of mentoring you, right, like yeah. a senior, senior, senior uh, employee that's mentoring you for a period yeah. of about three years minimum right yeah. mm-hmm. and then you write board yeah. exams so you write the yeah. board exam after that right then yeah. the board exam says this person is now competent to be uh, a sort of registered as a professional yeah. yeah. so it's a, a stage mm-hmm. that you go through. so you go to varsity once you go to varsity or or you can go to to, to, to Technicon, Technica. After that, mm-hmm. you do your honours. Once you've done your honours or your B-Tech yeah. in, in technical sense, in South you, start, Africa. you practice mm-hmm. for about three, minimum three years. Okay? Yeah. Wow. Three years. Then you register as as a as a professional. So in that three years, you're a candidate, right? Uh, yeah. You work for a firm. You have to work for a firm. Like an
1: time. intern. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're almost like an intern with a mentor that is registered. Like uh, now I qualify as a mentor because I've been registered for quite some time. So Jana yeah, okay. bears, we are friends, ed- I sign their logs. So I sign everything that they do. I make sure I give them enough work okay. and I sign off all the work that they've done. They produce logs, logs of this is yeah. what I've done this month or this year. And then yeah. they, they submit those logs with the association. Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, this right. is so interesting. So, so
2: um, it's quite, yeah, it's quite um, uh, sort of well-governed in that sense.
0: Oh, yes, okay. so you what is, can, can you give us a governing body, please, so that people are, and how do you know that your quantity surveyor is professionally registered? Uh, registered,
1: yeah.
2: Okay. Is there a
0: process? Do you have a database you can check? Do you ask them for their license? What? Yeah,
2: so it's called the SACQSP. So it's the South African Council S- for the Quantity QSP. Surveying Profession. Okay
0: South African Council mm-hmm. of the quantity, surveying for for the quantity
2: Surveying Profession Okay SACQSP They are based in Waterfall in Midrand SACQSP SP, S-P. 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 Yeah. South African yeah. for the Quantity Surveying Professional Sounds very uh, it's fancy all right. It's alright right. <laughs> It's alright It's alright right. it so Yeah are, <laughs> yeah, so basically, they have a website that's very well, 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 well run. Um, okay. And they've got an office based in Waterfall, Midran, that has an, a, yeah. an office. So if you have a complaint or you want to check if somebody's registered, you go on their website and you just type their name and surname. Oh, name, wow. and, and it will show if this person is, is registered, uh, depending on how up-to-date the website is. But normally it's quite, it's quite sharp. Uh, or okay. you can phone, you can call in and ask them. The registrar, they have a, a head of registration called a registrar. Uh, you call, okay. a, and then they will, they will, they will, they will help you determine if someone has a certificate because you have to produce a certificate that you're a professional registered quantity surveyor.
1: Quantity surveyor, yeah. yeah. I
2: like that. Yeah. So, so you let
1: you me ask. Mm-hmm so you know your professionals um, uh, the qs is stated upfront with the development team um, the upfront team that a a, a a an investor calls when they are going to develop a piece of land are your professional fees determined by the same body or is it determined by the size of the project, or how how IQS is paid, really is it's that upfront cost oh. that most of us don't understand. We just find it expensive, just like architect. We're like they are expensive, but how is it determined, really? And uh, what is the market standard, or what should I look out for as a de- as a developing um, investor?
2: Yeah, this is yeah, such very a good, great question. Yeah, very good question. Um, uh, the same body that governs our behavior, uh, also governs how much we can charge clients uh, in terms okay. of fees. So there's a oh. fee scale that, that they produce.
1: Okay. So it's,
2: it's a government gazetted fee scale that's linked okay. to the value of a project, right, on a threshold mm-hmm. basis. So they'll say from a, a project from zero rents to say uh, 200,000 rents, this is a percentage yeah that if a QS maximum percentage you can charge. So it's, oh. a matrix, it's a threshold, it's a ceiling that you can't go beyond. You can charge less, but you can't charge more. More. Oh. And, it, okay. it, and that value, it, 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 it's linked to the value of the project. Of the project. Okay. That, yeah. So as mm-hmm. part of the, and all the other professionals, they have bodies mm-hmm. as well that govern the same thing. Oh, mm-hmm. but here's what's what's tricky. You as a QS, yeah. you're the one that polices the other professionals and determines. Uh, so, right but you're charging over <laughs> what you're supposed to. So your architects, yeah. your engineers, etc. They fight with you all the time, you know. Oh because wow! Another thing you need to be very careful of is is Miranda is that you need to to police the other professionals to make sure that they don't necessarily or unnecessarily escalate the cost of a project cost. because yes. you want to get more fees That's so you're the yes. one, yeah so it's very very important that you, you 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 are a very fair and honest and moral individual as a quantity mm-hmm. because you're the main liaison between the team and the the, the client you're looking the after client. the client
1: i like what you're saying and you are I, like what you're, the, the yeah. I like what you're saying, Sino, because now here's my issue, all right? A friend is building a house for 4.2 million in this super duper complex, you know, the, the lifestyle estates, and she's got a QS. But the person that orders the concrete for the slab and the foundation and whatever, Orders, orders whatever it is that they order. And when the QS comes and says, no, wait, don't pay them first, um, I'm not sure about the quality of the slay. Mm-hmm. It becomes an issue because the the owner is hopping on about timelines uh, and the QS says, but mm. wait, I am talking about the quality of your slab and don't pay the contractor. So I can see that push and pull and mm. and, 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 and your dilemma is a, is a QS because the mm. owner, I, mean, I think, is not understanding what the QS
2: is talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's important. You can throw, don't throw money at, at projects uh, because you want to finish them as quick as possible. You, When the contractor is being paid all the money, he walks off the site. You live with the building, it starts raining and oh, the roof starts leaking, yeah. and you've paid 4.2 million. Yeah, and the guy's happy, he's, he, he made nice profits, but you are left with a house that's not functional. Right. Amen. You know, so it's very,
0: that
2: that right. and a QS and a QS becomes very independent in the sense yeah. where he becomes a referee. The QC must come in and be a referee between the contractor and the client, and tell the and client, the client. "We know yeah. we're chasing time, but we need to be realistic. We need to make sure that and the concrete is tested, right, before it's yeah. poured, so that it, we get yeah. the right wow. quality of, of that. So you need to be almost like, a, you know, a, 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 a very diplomatic in in your approach, and that yet you're a referee, and yet you're, yeah. you, know, you are dealing with the yeah. person. You know, so it, it's it's a very tough job. To be honest, it's really really demanding uh, on you. You person-
1: need to be. It is a tough job.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So- you need to be comfortable. <laughs> but with where, does, where
1: do I find a QS? <sighs> yeah, yes, it, you it, must not- be comfortable. You are like the IR manager, industrial relations. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. But where do we find the QS? How do you even? Where do I find the QS? You know, really. <sighs> yeah, the starting <laughs> is, is point. I that yeah. brings. Is it, oh, that is, a that good is it the Is it the contractor, contractor? The or the contractor that brings the QS? Or do I pick him out of the internet? Where do I find the QS? I'm building yeah. sixteen units in Soweto. Where do I find the QS? Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, the the easiest way to find one would be to go on the on the website for the uh, SAC QSP. And look for companies yeah. there, and then they'll give you a QS. But you must remember yeah. in that industry, referrals are very important mm-hmm. in the sense I think they, can, so. they come with a certain level of surety from a quality wow. perspective. So that's why once yeah. you, you normally would hire a, a, a architect first, he would say, Okay, I can recommend a QS that I've worked with. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. What then what you then need to do is make sure that. The QS is well experienced. It's not just his body, but he must see, give you his profile. He must give you his registration certificate, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and he must give you yeah. basically his personal CV. You know, yeah. so he's coming with a personal CV and the registration certificate for you to be yeah. able to double check with the association mm-hmm. that this guy is really a registered quantity surveyor and he's legitimate. You know, yeah. and the first thing you need to do, and people are not aware. Yeah. On bigger projects, yeah. uh, there's a, a, a risk that you run if your professionals don't have insurance themselves. So, as oh, professionals, they yeah. what they call professional indemnity insurance. We call it yeah. P insurance. It's insurance that he, me as a as, as a as a QS or an architect, if I mess up your project, if I mess mm. it up negligently, mm. an insurance mm. company will come and sort it of, and fix that.
0: Yeah. Mm. So, so who gets the insurance? Up who gets
2: who they gets they the indemnity? It.
0: Oh, so QAS needs to yeah needs it's to a, have I a, pay professional, a professional indemnity. For three months.
2: Yeah, so and it's yeah. it's based on a value. So the value is normally between $5 five million and ten million. So that yeah. if okay. if I mess up and you you incur losses to about four point nine million. The insurance company will come and pay that
1: money. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's just like wow. doctors have to have yeah. so indemnity. Mm-hmm. Go ahead then. Oh, I'm very, very
0: interested. So when you are working, when you are looking to hire QS, do you ask them upfront? do you have professional indemnity insurance? Yes, and yeah. can yeah. I see the documents? So you have yeah. to yeah. ask Policy.
2: them. Yeah. So what you, you want a set wow. the set of documents. You want the, company profile their cv their professional registration certificate and the professional indemnity insurance in yes. okay. as well yeah. and then you would want wow. things like labor quite uh, in terms of compliance on bigger projects compliance, but like yeah. smaller ones those four things are very very important
1: Very important. So you said so, no, from what you are saying from what you are saying i am hearing that so of all these professionals, my QS, I can double him up as a project manager on a,
2: on, a, on a big development, can I? That's very, that that a lot of people do that, and it helps a lot because traditionally yeah. in the past, guys used to use architects as as project managers. That's what I'm seeing. Mm. Yeah. The, the problem is that now the, the, the player becomes a referee, then you <laughs> have quality, yeah. you know, because yeah. he's policing yeah. himself. But once you put a, a QS... Who then manages the architect from a quality perspective and a timing perspective, and now manages the, the architect the, 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 archi- the contractors. The, the best person to do that is the QS because he's got the purse. I see. Mm-hmm. That. So he's got the purse. He needs to make sure that that purse doesn't get abused. So he's the best that. person. That's why a lot of uh, QS firms offer project management or program management services as well.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So this is amazing. So
2: yeah. Or what we mm -hmm. call a principal agents in, in, in bigger projects, which is mainly like Mm. a a, a project manager. Yeah. Mm,
0: Yeah. So, wow, this is incredible. Like I feel like we got so much from that actually. I have another question is I just, We're getting so much here. So I just wanted to know, how does the property investor work with the QS? And by that, I mean, like, how often do you meet with your QS? Do you meet once a week? Do you meet once a month? Do you have daily calls? What do you discuss on those calls? What is it that people should be talking about? Because just now you have a QS and you meet with them, but you guys go out to coffee and tea and go out to the bar and important things are not getting covered in these meetings. These things happen. So just let's cover what are the things that you should be talking about every time you meet with your QS. What are the numbers that you want to be tracking?
2: Yeah, so in in, in property development projects, you have two types of meetings that happen Mm -hmm. monthly. Once or twice a mm-hmm. month, normally. Okay. One. And depending on where the stage of the project. Normally, at planning stage, they happen a lot more frequent. So you might have them twice, uh, two okay. types. So you have technical meetings where we uh-huh. discuss the actual physical building. The drawings are laid mm-hmm. down on the floor or, on mm-hmm. or projected, and we go through the drawings and with the contractors wow. and subcontractors and the actual builders, the whole team. Okay. Go through the the designs and challenges and what we found when we dug a hole that there was water and et cetera. That's technical, right? The client doesn't always get involved in those. And then we have management meetings. Okay. That are besides the technical ones. The contractors don't get involved in there because we discuss sensitive issues. It's just normally the team, right, Mm -hmm. with the client. So we, we would give the client an update of where the project is sitting, where the challenges are that we're digging a hole we found some water It's going to cost more and it's going to delay the project and etc so I that's many things we would have with the client that are really driven mostly by the quantity survey, because we need to give an update of the the finances and where we're sitting and, and things okay. like that so you normally would meet at least once a month depending on the complexity of the project as well so some mm. projects are really complex so you need to meet more often. But as a quantity mm. surveyor, you need to always have your phone on, even on weekends, because clients would sit with their own funders and they would ask them a question, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you need additional funds for this? Then you yeah. need to pick up the phone, put you on a, 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 a conference call, and you must explain for him.
0: <laughs> so yeah.
2: it's a full-time job, really. I mean, um, I, 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 my phone is on 24-7, 365. Um, oh my even gosh, weekends no. at work, weekends as well. Um, I've started yeah. sort of starting trying to m- take more time on my weekends to sort of spend with my kids because yeah. you know they're finding it very difficult that daddy's always working. So it's, it it it's sort of it 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 really takes too much from you and from you and yeah. your, your role as a parent oh. as well. So yeah. it, it, it's important to try to balance it. But as an entrepreneur you 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 don't work in 95 so your your timetable really relies on how busy you are sometimes you're really extremely busy you don't have time sometimes you're not too busy you know so it's about striking oh, a balance right. really but you need to be available for your clients when they, for your when clients. they really want
1: to talk to you so look, i've got another question that we had in planned on this podcast because i'm i'm hearing um I'm, I'm getting irked by something right because i've built a house before So um, we've got the NHBRC, which is an oversight body in South Africa. I don't know what it stands for, national housing, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what it's called. And we've got our government departments that have got projects that the cost runs away with them. Are you telling me that all these people don't know what what their QS are supposed to be doing? Or what is that? What's your sense about that? How does that happen?
2: Yeah, uh, the the NHBRC, they are an overarching body that regulates new building, uh, uh, residential buildings only. Yeah. So they just look at when you're building a new house, they will send out Mm. an inspector to come have a, Mm. a, a check from a safety check perspective to make sure that whoever's building your house, Right, it's not mm-hmm. a shoddy job. That tomorrow you move moving with your family and the f- house falls on top of you, and we've got a mm-hmm. you know a disaster. So that's the really the <laughs> mostly their overarching <laughs> role, and they also you know uh, have insurance um, uh, packages as well on on your houses and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But they police the contractors and make sure that they do quality work, but purely mm-hmm. on residential developments, right? And I new, think, yeah. no renovations. Mm-hmm. Or- like that because they want to be able to sign off your house and say your house is and your house has to be registered with them right because most yeah. uh, uh banking houses or banks or financials they require that because that gives them a quality stamp it says this house mm-hmm. was registered HBSC it was inspected by them they gave it a thumbs up so that even tomorrow when you sell the house you know you can you have that 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 quality assurance with you now On government projects, look, there's a a lot of challenges in terms of how the projects are managed from a client perspective. Yeah. Um, Mm. As you know, things in with government, they start and stop and there's quite a a bit of politics Mm. in play. So some projects, you know, you work on a project, they tell you to stop Um, the project, uh, they want to re- uh, basically, redirect funds to something else. like Now, with the COVID thing, we were stopped with our projects on the hospitals. Cause so we refi- we are um, uh, refurbishing quite a few, about five hospitals. And mm. the funds were stopped at the hospitals. They stop the project. Okay. We're going to take these funds and we're going to focus on making sure that this COVID uh, regulations are, are being adhered to this PPE and yeah, all these. Yeah. You know,
0: yeah. You know, yeah, the yeah it makes are sense.
2: Reasonable. So, you've stopped. But once you stop, the cost a development doesn't stop it continues you know if you're yeah. on site and you stopped working a contractor will charge you for standing time because he I needs know. to people and all that sort of stuff and lockdown oh. was a massive yeah. sort of opener yeah. for us in, 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 yeah. in realizing how complex you know uh, developments yeah. yeah so yeah uh, yeah so so so, so the management part becomes very crucial on a QS because a QS is not, doesn't work in a silo. You work as part of a professional team, right? Mm.
0: Um, yeah.
2: Engineers, et cetera. You're one team. Yeah. You're always try mm. to work as a team. You know, you come from different companies, but you need to work as a team. As right?
1: a team. Exactly. Mm. So as a yeah. team,
2: if the person that's managing you as a team is not necessarily giving you the best sort of, Advice or manage directives. Mm. directives, it's really more direct, we the guys that advise the client, if the client doesn't take mm. our advice, we can't, you know there's not much we can do we can do,
1: mm. absolutely mm. So mm. No, the NSWRC doesn't do the greatest job unfortunately yeah. but it is I, I hear you and that's what I wanted to check, like what quality are the inspectors, what is it that they absolutely have to be checking because they, yeah it's 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 one of those. They don't. They don't so do a right great job. Oh, they don't. You pay a lot of money. Wow. You pay to the NHBRC, I think you pay a percentage of the value of your project, right? Mm-hmm. So you will oh end up goodness. with something like twenty thousand rents or twenty-five thousand rents to pay because it's a percentage of your project. Yeah. But you hardly see that inspector. All you do it for is to get an a a a it's certificate better. because sure. the requires and demands and insists Mm. on it it Mm. is just it is one body that
2: just usurps money for no reason i have we have it's your prerogative miranda it's your prerogative as a client that you get money for what you paid for so it it helps to phone them into even their offices are in sunning hill you just walk in there and you 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 demand service I mean, we well, know in South Africa, s- services that's really poor, and especially as black people, we can't accept it, you know, because of mm. our sort of culture. Sort culture. Of type. Mm. Yeah. They so you used. Know, they used
1: to, they used to know, be in know, somewhere. I've had letters. I've I, I had all sorts of builders, so you know, I yeah. I have I have good trauma from them, but this has been sure. Terrible. This is, this is good to know though.
0: So I just, as I'm listening to you, Miso, I'm also thinking mm. to myself, what yeah. happens, Silo, you know, when you didn't know, right? You're in the middle of a project, things just go absolutely pear-shaped. You didn't know about quantity surveyors and how much they could save mm. you mm. and all that. Now you find yourself in a disaster. What are some of the remedies that you can employ? And can you still hire QS from that point? And what are some of the remedies that you can employ to save a project that is now messed up in terms of structure and also in terms of budget? Such a good
2: question then. Um, I like that. Yeah, the first thought is to get professional advice um, from someone who's technical enough who understands the market or that Mm -hmm. project um, uh, uh, in, in that sense. So the first part is that as a QS, I will not charge you for advising you. So we don't have oh, call wow. like doctors or anything like that. So the easiest yes, thing sure is to is. Yeah, so ask for an appointment um, to 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 meet up with, with me, uh, preferably on the site. We meet on the site, have a look at what's happening on the site, what's going wrong, okay. you know, so that we can assess where you are. Then from there, we will advise you on the way forward. Maybe the, the way forward is to stop everything, right? Yeah. Okay. Revert back to your contracts, stop everything, pay whoever you have to pay, and get them to walk off the side, and then get something yeah. new.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you could be
2: Sometimes. throwing good money after bad. Yeah. You try to do a project with yeah. the same team. Gandhi, the team is what's messing you up. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so wow, that's, that's such
0: a, a valid point. It's
2: to get advice from met. a, a, a yeah. professional. Um, preferably a, a, a QS, because... We would understand the technical and the money side, and your financial model, and your commitment, and your timelines, etc. So we have a, a, a bird's eye view of uh, in a project. You know, we don't do a piece yeah. of a project; we do the, yeah. everything that we do.
1: Wow, man! Wow, then I don't know about you. But, I have, I have yes, been to university. Great. Can I get a? It's can great great. I graduate? can i get can i get to graduate me i can teach everybody about what it is no one is going to BS me from here on oh my gosh no shame i I feel
0: like i feel like today was one of those days like you know i feel like what you've done on this podcast you may have saved so many people because i I mean like how many building projects have we seen these or just growing up where someone just starts a project, even within our families, and a QS is just never consulted. Never. Never consulted. <laughs> never. Like, I'm like thinking, I grew up with a QS in my house. Do you know how many times my dad's siblings have started building a building project, never gone to even consult him? We've just like done our own things. How many times have I done things and never even consulted? I mean, he's, he's not doing that anymore. But just to even say, dude, yeah. I didn't even know you could, that's what he did and he had the ability to do that. And yeah. when he even mentions it, I'm like, why would I even be discussing this with you, dude? He's like. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's, it's very important. I mean, you, you'll be lucky to get through a project and to build it mm. properly within budget without a QS. You'll be really lucky. You you might be lucky to have a really solid uh, uh contractor that's honest as well, because most yeah. some contractors in our industry are not known for being honest. You know, there will thing mm. things mm. like that. Yeah,
0: but but see, look, I grew up bad. knowing that one runs over time with with building projects. That's a thing. I'm not even joking, I, that you you pay more. You Obviously, you run over budget and you run over time. I don't know about you, Mizor, but I've, I've grown up knowing that that is the norm. That is a thing, <laughs> you put it
1: into your budget and into your time frame. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you why, why I know about QSs. And I just thought, oh, okay, those are big projects of Saso, right? Yeah. I helped build clinics. So I would give technical medical uh, input into building clinics and, 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 and water supplies for the clinics in Mozambique. Mm. And I just thought, oh, QS are those expensive professionals that sit there and they do these mega big projects, multi million. And they wear glasses.
2: And they-, and, they wear glasses yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they wear glasses. And they are the annoying. They are the annoying ones in the technical <laughs> meetings at seven o'clock in the morning when you're <laughs> just woken up because the technical beats they are complaining about this screw wasn't supposed to be here. And they, you bought 50 screws instead of 25. Yay, yay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They are the noisemakers. And I'm like, why are these guys always upset? You know? <laughs> why are they always <laughs> And I thought they were for mega projects. Can you see where we are, Silo? Mm. And we call ourselves property investors, and we are going into big buildings, and we are wanting to buy buildings now, not just one single house or something like that. And this education was never given. So, you know, I'm I'm very appreciative of what you've done today and just put
2: it in perspective for uh, us. Yeah, Miranda, looking at myself, for instance, right, when I look at my sort of, my profile, my career profile. Um, yeah. As much as I studied quantity surveying and practice as a quantity surveyor, I it myself in investment banking. That's really my training,
1: mm.
2: you know, because the okay. bank need quantity surveyors that will be able to manage their finances when you apply for funding. For so bank. you apply. Oh the, wow. the bank has a quantity surveyor inside the bank that determines That's or assesses your application. And looks yeah. at your oh. builder and your, your BOQ, your yeah. plans. Yes, this is your plans and things like that. Absolutely. So I used to work for yeah. a certain bank. Uh, when I came back from, from the UK, when I was yeah. in the UK, I worked as a commercial risk manager in financial oh, okay. for, for a consulting wow.
0: firm. Oh. Yeah,
2: so commercial risk manager, meaning financial management in essence, you know.
1: In essence. You are
2: are, are managing the the commercial risk, which is money, in development.
1: Absolutely. We've we've done that. But I can tell you, I've worked again at an NGO. that did exactly the same things. We go into health systems and see what can be improved. And they used engineers and QSs for those buildings. But again, it went above my head. I'm a doctor recently. (laughs) It yeah. went above my head. I was just like, okay, they are going to check this lab. I don't know why they're checking this lab. We are going to put a structure there and that's where we're going to test our HIV clients and whatever. Oh, okay. But I didn't know what they were doing really in depth and to appreciate and bring it closer home so that I understand it as an investment and, and taking care of your capital, right? Yeah, that I think
2: is- we need to do a bit more marketing as a... As a- as an industry, as a profession, as to yes. getting people to know what we do and how important yeah. it is. Especially the schools, you know. I mean, when I was in high school, I was yeah. doing my tech, I had no idea what a quantity survey I was. I literally Did you know
1: why you were doing this. it.
2: No, 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 I got into this by chance, literally by chance, to be honest.
1: Wow. By
2: chance, like chance, chance, chance. I, right, I yeah. I went to a, 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 a local school in, in the township where I grew up in Tembisa, right? Yeah. And then we were just called into the, the principal's office saying the, the teachers picked up uh, picked the two best students in the school. They've been yeah. mandated to pick two best students in all the schools in the East Rand. Right. right. To yeah. go for interviews. Well, interview. For what? It's an interview. So we just go there and old white <laughs> men. You know, it's very right. intimidating with a very British accent is interviewing you, <laughs> asking you All questions right. about yourself, about how you see things, like things that you, you don't necessarily understand, but you're answering them. Um, luckily for me, I was the only one that came out of that whole entire sort of process of interviews. I don't know how many schools they yeah. interviewed. They chose me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, what we want to do, we want to basically give you a buzzer to study whatever you want to study okay luckily, right they realized that I was only 16 my matric year I was 16 right yeah I was really young and they're like but you're really young and what do you want to study I wanted to do chemical engineering they I like, say what do you know yeah. about chemical engineering I'm like I, it has something to do with chemicals and you engineer chemicals I don't <laughs> because we didn't really get good counseling so like, no we didn't cool.
1: we didn't you know that
2: like, it sounds fa- fancy it sounds Nice and it sounds probably pays a lot of money because it's engineering, so I'll go for it. You know?
0: mm. And I wear a lab
2: coat, I wear a lab coat, and you know, so I look That's very okay important, almost like a doctor because I never <laughs> really... <laughs> then, to cut a long story short. I ended up becoming an intern with that company, right? On site, so yeah. they, they base me on one of their sites, right? Mm. To work as, an, as a as a as a as like a student. Right, mm-hmm. and basically to, to to report to site every single day. So I was at site building walls, uh, putting up concrete slabs physically. You know, helping with yeah. tiling So that taught me a lot on the technical side before I went to varsity. I, so I spent like almost okay. like a gap year as an intern on site okay. for this. But at the time I got to varsity, I was really sure. I cruised through varsity. Because, uh, anyway, wow. and That's when, it. yeah, yeah, so it really, really helps. So, what I'm saying, uh, there's a massive gap in terms of educating kids, especially from mm. the <laughs> and areas and, and, and townships. And um, yes. That wouldn't necessarily yes. have a, an uncle or a, a dad or whoever who was a QS, you know? Yeah. Like you, Vangi, you know what a QS is because your dad did you know, you have that stage. actually
0: yeah. no, yeah. like the, the guy like my dad changed to really
2: give it bad. to him. You're and
0: like bad. I would listen <laughs> And you would tell us a QS, you're in your teens and you're there were times when my dad would pass I helped build that. I was in charge of that. Yeah. And this is what my job was. But my thing was, you helped build a bridge. <laughs> or you help build this. Like, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> it's not, I mean, come on, How guys, you know? like, give me some credit. Like, funny this a, this is funny <laughs> like, it's not like your dad is telling you he just met Michael Jackson. <laughs>
1: well you know what you've just done as well again just to go back to it you have just said you had you spent about nine months on a building site actually yeah. doing some work because there are some parents who are listening here and they think it's such a crazy idea for their kids to go on a gap year you didn't yeah. even and your parents you probably didn't call it a gap year but yeah. that's exactly what a gap year did for you it gave yeah. you technical skill it gave you skill that is amazing. That's beyond beyond anything that anyone can ever teach you by telling you or by sitting behind a desk. And that's sometimes what a gap is used for people, for a child yeah. to find their signs. They're, pesh-
2: they're too passionate. Pesh- right. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Ooh, Ooh. Wow, that is such a powerful
0: <laughs> point, Nizor.
1: This is wow. absolutely amazing. This is beyond QS. I don't know what to call this you know, no, so look, today after, after, we do, after we do a podcast, we sit down to determine what we are going to label the podcast. Now, I yeah, I can just see all flowers and all. Yeah, and what you guys
0: are doing? How do? we're going to title it? <laughs> wow! Thank there. you, Silo. I'm, yeah. I'm also full. Let's move on to the next segment, guys. On to the next segment of our show, Magical Feedback from our hosts, where our hosts share their three takeaways from today's episode. So Magical Feedback, we're going to give you guys our three takeaways. Um, yeah. Oh my God, where to start? <laughs> where do we start do you want me to start today
1: please go ahead and start because oh my gosh i'm so mm. okay
0: so my one takeaway was really about banks are not for small medium enterprises so my takeaway for that is like how we constantly come back to this and i feel like there needs to be something then that is for small and medium enterprises in south africa especially Mm. around funding you know Mm. so i keep coming back to this that there is an opportunity here there may Mm. be tons of opportunities maybe it's through stock files maybe it's through i don't know through alternative funding, bridging finance whatever it is but Mm -hmm. wow man because yeah. I keep thinking, how many of us lose business deals, lose our properties because we can't get funding? Not because yeah. our concepts are not good or because we don't have solid business experience, but because for this particular opportunity, it's beyond what you have in your bank account.
1: Absolutely. And we kept, I, I remember us doing the TAF and Mustandi episodes. Mm-hmm. We were so excited about it they still are cutting at a certain level but when you're talking about an artisan like the plumbing guy who has to do plumbing at your house and it's a hundred thousand and all you need is if this plumbing is done and your three back rooms are done you are tenanting, then you are able to repay the loan, mm. isn't it? So I, I really loved what he shared with us, which was besides the point from the QS. Silla was very generous yes. about that. Really, really. Yes. And I think people should check him out at masebi.co.za for bridging mm. finance for things that make sense that are related to construction, development, and anything building. So I, I, I really like that event. Really. Yeah. Thank you. So here's my takeaway about what I understood about a quantity surveyor, how he fits in. Mm. He is a building accountant buying the building because the rate of return is worked out right up front. You know exactly plus minus how much the professionals are going to be paid. You know how much the contractors are going to be paid. To, to revamp your building, to make it into whatever you want, you know yeah. how much loan you need to get at the bank. So even before you apply for funding, your quantity surveyor will have worked out plus minus around about roundabout yeah. what you, need, yeah. you are going to need and how much you're going to pay for the architect and the contractors. And, yeah. you know, I don't know about you listening at home, but that's not how I understood what quantity surveyors do. And <laughs> so one, of my, one of my favorite sons is a quantity surveyor too, but I think this was a great takeaway for me, getting into property investing and understanding the job of each professional is so important. Amen. What's
0: Oh my gosh. My number two is quantity surveyors don't charge for advice guys, like, I mean, the advice is free. Why are we not doing a going and asking for it? That for me was just like a mind, just mind blowing. Because uh, sorry, I do charge for advice, guys. (laughs) 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 I'm like, time is valuable as a resource. But quantitative surveyors don't charge for advice. And so And I liked what Silo said. He was like, if you find yourself in a crisis and things have now like gone pear-shaped, you are now without, um, now you don't have the money, you don't have anything. You can go for a quantity, uh, to go to a quantity surveyor and just ask. Come on site and give me the advice. Give me the advice. Guys, that is so generous, man. How many of us have been sitting with, have finished projects, now you don't know what yes. to do, where what you're going to gonna go. And there is a website that lists all of them, so you can choose even the ones that you want, which ones yes. you can call and ask for help, Absolutely, ask for help I, from.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, my, take- my, my second takeaway, let's speak to someone who has got a building today who doesn't know Mm. how they're going to start renovating it and putting putting up security and making it into Mm. bachelor units or two-bedroom units that they want to do how do you go about choosing a quantity surveyor right yeah so you get the profile i'm sure the profiles Mm. are easy on instagram you're gonna get that and on their facebook you're gonna get that but ask for a cv the curriculum detail is important Ask for their registration certificate and ask if they've got a professional indemnity insurance. If someone is going to help you revamp a Mm three-story building with 100 units, you don't want someone who doesn't have an indemnity insurance because if anything goes wrong, the insurance is going to be able to pay you for those 40 units or the 100 units that the county surveyor will have advised about. I thought that was an incredible advance. Judge. you know that blew
0: my mind, Mizo, because again, and how many people do you and I know that yeah. now the building is half finished, things have gone completely off kilter, off budget, the units have gone all completely wrong, and mm-hmm.
1: they are and just and you have to there. redo, you have and you redo. have to redo, which means what money.
0: With yeah. what money? Because now you've spent it. No shame. Yeah. This was such valuable advice. Um, my mm. final takeaway is how he said sometimes the best way, and I actually wrote it and quoted it sometimes the best yeah. way forward is to stop everything and pay someone and let them walk away, let them walk off site and get a whole new team. And then he said sometimes it's better not to throw good money after I mean, bad. You know, how many eight of us men. stick with something? Because I, Pella, I've already put in eight months into this and I've been with this team for a year. So like, we need to keep going. We've come so yeah. far. But like, but you're he keep, was
1: just like... Keep going with bad. It's like a bad <laughs> <keep> relationship. <going. laughs>
0: you know, like now I put in 3 million. I'm crying for that 3 million that I've put in. but So I'm going to just put in another 3 million because i've already put in 3 million no yeah. so now we're just going to double yeah. the issue we're going to double the whole loss and the problem it,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 how, how 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 fruitful is that how fruitful yeah. is that let me tell you my my final one not because it's a final one um i think that was your Ben, I really liked how he answered it and he says, in a development, there are lots of people listening to us now, team to build 12 units, 16 units in their backyard. He says in a development, what he would advise is have a monthly meeting with your QS, even though mm. the quantity surveyor has to have by right two meetings, by yeah. right. Two meetings, right? One, yes. he has a technical meeting with the technical team, with the contractors. They mm. sit down with the drawings. So what else is needed? How far have you used the material? How many, how many uh, bricks do we need to order? Okay, mm. is it time now to order the pipes or whatever? That's... Mm the technical meeting that your quantity surveyor has with the contractors right and then yeah. you as the owner because you know as much as dr Miranda knows about development you walk onto your side but monthly your quantity surveyor is supposed to give you a monthly mm. update and he will mm. give you monthly updates about the technical things and re-explain them and the fact that your money is getting less and less at the bank what does it all mean and if you do not have that from your quantity surveyor, let them walk.
0: Let, let them, them walk.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know? but yeah, your quantity surveyor drives the payment, drives why yeah. the contractor it is justified for the contractor to be paid at that stage. Yeah. I, I, I just think this this is a job, right? The the was this so was, jam. you yeah. know, I feel like
0: anyone else that is going to be doing this um, that is going to be doing um, real estate investing, renovating, all sorts of real estate projects after listening to this podcast, it's going to be like, nope, I need a quantity surveyor. And they literally, I yeah. can already see that people are going to be asking for their monthly meetings. You know, have you met with the technical yes. team and have you met with me and explained the numbers to me? So it's so, so Absolutely. powerful. I really, really love it. Okay, so (laughs) shall we move on? Okay, guys, let's go on to Magical Expansion. Now on to the journey to Magical Expansion, where we ask our guests the same five questions we ask every guest. So, guys, welcome to the next segment of the show. This is the part of the show we are where we ask all our guests the same questions. Um, I'm gonna have Mizo start us off as usual.
1: Uh-huh. So Sindo, Sindo, tell you me you moved, so we lost moved. you yeah. with the great light. Yeah, got- that that was it.
2: Okay, sorry about that.
1: <laughs> so tell me, have you got a book? that you want to share that changed your life? It can be a business book. It can be a novel. It can be anything. Is there a yeah. book that you want to share? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. The, the book that really, really moved me and sort of gave me um, a direction uh, from an entrepreneurial perspective, from moving from a corporate sort of mindset to an entrepreneurial mindset, was Richard Branson's um, autobiography. Uh, Screw oh, yeah. It. Yeah. just so Screw It, Let's Do It. Um, it really, really sort of changed my 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 perception of what life is about in terms of what you can achieve as a as an entrepreneur. Um, I mean, he he didn't have any formal education um, to start off with, uh, so it gave me sort of that reassurance that I've got a head start in terms of that. And but mm-hmm. what he did is so amazing. What he's achieved as an in, as an individual and as an entrepreneur is 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 really amazing. And it's one of the reasons when I had an opportunity to, to, to go work overseas, um, I, had, I had to choose between going to Dubai uh, vis-a-vis going to the United Kingdom. And I went to the United Kingdom because I could, you know, relate to his stories and I wanted to be closer to that area to understand what inspired him as an individual mm-hmm. to become such a colossal pioneer. So, yeah, that book really. Wow, really yeah, it changed my mind. It changed the way yeah, I do so things, and, and it reassured my my um my sort of belief in in, in, in business. Yeah. It,
0: hmm. Uh, it's now on my agenda to read.
2: Yeah. I said, uh, screw it. Let's do it. It's a bit uh, almost vulgar, but yeah, screw it. Let's do it. No, it sounds <laughs> awesome. So, <laughs> what keeps you inspired? My kids. I've got two daughters. I've got a 10-year-old mm-hmm. uh, Boka, who is very much uh, more of an academic, very uh, strict, and very well-disciplined. And then I've got yeah. a younger one. She's eight years old. Uh, uh, we call her Pums. Uh, Pums is very energetic, um, very naughty, keeps me on my toes, um, they are really, really the reason why I, I i wake up every day and I hustle the way I hustle, yeah. and I put myself even when I'm tired and my my body doesn't necessarily agree with my mind. Um, but they are really um, what inspires me. You can actually see them there at the background. Can you see them on the wall? Oh, yeah, oh, beautiful. There they are. You can see them. Can you see them on the pillow? Tips? Oh, there they are. Oh, the, oh. it's the playful one, the one with <laughs> the tongue sticking out. <laughs> <up>? Yeah. We <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> oh. love them. Yeah, that's my <laughs> experience. Really, I call them my bosses. So yeah. yeah, they are the
1: bosses. They are the bosses. Thank you so much. This is uh, this is about family. This this podcast is about yeah. that.
0: What do sure. you wish you
1: had known or done before? Or embarking on your entrepreneurial journey or on this journey of what you've done, the many things you've done, is there anything that you have regrets about or you wish someone had told you before?
2: I, w- I, I really wish I had a mentor. Hey? I, I made like mm-hmm. really, really basic uh, mistakes that cost me quite a lot mm-hmm. in terms of my business um, trajectory. I mean, I lost uh, my engineering firm that was worth about 80 million um it's uh, wow. it, uh when i was about 20 what 26 25 you know i'd grown this business with some partners but i didn't have my legalities in place so that's how the guys managed to sort of maneuver me and 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 sort of uh what do you call it? steal the business uh mm-hmm. uh, uh from, from me
1: um
2: yeah mm-hmm. uh, under the, sw- uh, s- sweep the rag under me and i lost everything mm-hmm. and with that i lost you know like uh, quite a lot of things i mean i was I ended up owing banks a lot of money, saras millions and things like that. So that really took yeah. me back, yeah. and then I had to recover. And took me quite a couple of years to recover. So I really wished I had a mentor, who yeah. was you know a person you can reflect, you can bounce things off, and someone mm. that can you know, give you direction and say, look, um, check checkpoint. Let's check one, two, three, four things. Have you signed your your <laughs> your shareholding agreement? Where are yeah. you? With the, where's your shareholding mm. certificate? Is it in the safe? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, because mm. I had all these things in place. But without knowing that people can literally take your shareholders' certificate and, 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 and tear it apart, you know, and, and take that agreement and cut it and re- resign you uh, from yeah. CIPC fraudulently. Wow. By, by, yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah. those things that, wow. that I feel that you can make uh, mistakes so- with you know, someone that's, that's sort of uh, guiding you you didn't have
0: copies of the shareholding agreement and uh, the, the, the
2: office so i should have kept them oh. in my private safe with the shareholder certificate and if i trusted the guys remember when you're a partnership oh. we work on trust yeah yeah so they they okay. saw that, that oh this guy doesn't lock his office he's always on site and getting funding for projects and stuff so th- because there were three. These guys were in the early 50s. I was in my mid-20s. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, and they were, they've been buddies all their lives. Um, I see. So wow. We were doing okay when we had nothing, when we started the business, because literally yeah. we just had skills, and I had the financial background, and I had a bit of money, and I had a, a car that I paid off. So we started this engineering firm, and it just it grew because of they were technically... Well vest in the lift industry. We're doing escalators and elevator maintenance. So they're yeah. very well versed in that space. And I had the business mind. And they were older and I was younger. Mm. So this thing was sort of, sort of, you know, uh, yeah. well, 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 was kid cloud type thing that was working. When we mm. weren't making money, when we started making money, when the deal started, you know, flowing, we made five million. Next job was 23 million. We started growing 50 bar. Then we got when we got to 80 million, that's when they started being funny because they realized, why are we splitting, you know, dividends three ways when we can split them two ways? Do we really need the boy? He's living his oh. lifestyle with Porsches and what? Because and, I'm young, I'm 25, I've got all this money, mm. I've got access to credit, I'm living La Vida Loca, you know? And they 50. Yeah. It was those sort of things that, and you find that that kills <laughs> a lot of businesses the jealousy yeah. and greed component that came in. Yeah. So. I can't believe me, that business is gone. All the deals fell through. They are I now can not believe it, though. With God, nothing
1: no, I, I, do. I do. I teach I, I like on... I have, I have underlined uh, legalities.
0: Yeah, I can believe what you've mm. said. I talk a lot about a concept mm. of money karma, financial karma. That's what I talk. I teach a lot on that. You know, it's. it sounds woo-woo, To most people, but financial karma is an actual thing, you know? So you -hmm. cannot build a business law based on such morals and think that it will continue to thrive and outlast time, you know, it it will go under, Mm -hmm. you know? So I do believe that nothing happened once you started, once you left and they did that
2: yeah but it, it also is sort of a blessing in disguise because i then i sort of refocused my energy on building this 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 firm of mine which is the boutique mm. firm sebi consulting
1: mm. and it's it's
2: prone and it's 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 doing wonders you know so yeah 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 so it, that this, is amazing but it was it came in it it was a very expensive lesson if i may say
1: it is hey yeah. it always is yeah mm-hmm. Exactly. Money
0: lessons, unfortunately, are yeah. the most expensive. So, Silo, what else do you think you still need to learn in quantity surveying or property in general?
2: Um, I, I want to sort of start moving sort of towards the more property development um, and building a portfolio for, mm. for the little ones. So I, I still yeah. need to think about a bit on that side. Um, I'm still indecisive if next year I'm doing my MBA or, or my MSC in property development. But I think MBA will probably be the way that it, the, the, the route I take because um, beyond this, I want to really venture into something that I'm more passionate about, which is social mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so i I probably either do my MBA or see what programs they've got at VETS. I just haven't had time to sit down and look at them. But I've, I've, I've sort of told myself before end of this month, I'm going to start applying and I started sort of uh, uh, going back to school and, and sort of getting a an additional uh, qualification, especially in the business space, preferably an, an MBA, so that mm. you can also learn how to do things properly, you know. Because you've been doing these <laughs> and you're running them from the, your cuff or from what you're learning from other people, but it's not necessarily the proper way, you know, the textbook way of doing things. But I think… I don't, I, know know
0: <laughs> Silla, I don't know I about textbooks, Silo, I know: textbook.
2: You don't have to I be have 100% textbook, but it's a point of reference. You need to have a point of reference to say, I am 5% away from what how, or how I'm supposed to do these things, you know. I'm 5 degrees. <laughs> away from the, the location where I'm supposed to be. What I'm trying to get to is this. The <laughs> South African business ecosystem has taught me or has sort of discouraged me quite a bit Thank in you. terms of Thank how you me. do things the proper way. In South Africa, wow. I've learned that what you know becomes very, very irrelevant or becomes at the back end of who you know. So, oh, uh, my goodness. Exactly. So what it then does is that you can have your MBA, you can have all the business plans and packages ready and everything. But if you don't know mm-hmm. the right people, those things will just end up in the, in the trash bin. Because yeah. that's the ecosystem that we're dealing with. Wow. That's what I'm coming back to saying doing things the proper way. So what you then do, you end up focusing your energies on getting to know the people that have the channels that you want to get into. Mm. But you're not building your business model to be a proper business model. I feel you like you see, is on, you know. But you, fee- you see
1: that South Africa is training us, sure. training us the, the way that South Africa doesn't even need for a development com- country. That's not what we need. We need practicality in South Africa yeah. and we need things that are practical. And without giving advice that you didn't ask for, Gibbs happens to be the university that you want to go to because what they've done with their MBA programs, they've broken them down into seriously social entrepreneurship, what South Africa needs. They, they have their ear on the ground, so their MBA programs are. Yeah. Uh, you know, broken down into our social and 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 economical needs. So you can almost start your own MBA from a basket. You put the things that you need, and they will tailor make. So I went to an open day of theirs that they had for female entrepreneurs, and their the the programs are really good. Maybe you might not even do an, a full MBA. You just do broken programs that are practical or practical that you need and that's what they teach because they are responding to what does the development can uh, a developing country Mm -hmm. need what does a developing country with the problems that we have in south africa need which is what you've done you know all these things you i mean your capital fund fund the gap fund is executed and they want to hear about that because they are going to make you extend it make Mm. it more and make it more practical and that's what you need really do you need an MBA as a certificate maybe
2: Mm. not yeah no it's a a good thing it's funny funny that you mentioned Gibbs in 2018 um I was involved in a program with them where we took 100 100 um, um, SMMEs formal and informal uh, traders in in Tembisa in the township and we created a program to teach them about business, business development from how to start a wow. business plan, how to run a business, financial management, a whole year. Is, and they they all got certificates from Gibbs after that that program, after yeah, all, all 100 of them. So yeah, I've got a relationship with, with Gibbs um, uh, on the social uh, entrepreneurship front. I still have um, a bit of context with them, but I'll definitely look, consider that I was more, you know, considering going overseas again, because, you know, this perception that if you come from Cambridge, uh, you are a, a very uh, a, a smart lad and we'll pay you in pounds, you know, still works. <laughs> <laughs> there's a perception that you, don't don't overseas. <laughs> if you have overseas. I don't believe that works, though. That's I think M- it M- depends on the person. Or it says MIT, <laughs> it, 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 it still buries quite a lot of weight. So I'll, I'll choose between that. Either going to the states or or staying locally, but I like the tailor making of of programs. That that sounds very mm. practical,
0: mm. and Gibbs is way, so,
2: very up to up to up to sort of up to date yeah. with what's happening on you know yeah. in, the, in the local ecosystem and internationally as well. So yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll definitely look at at Gibbs and look at what they've yeah. got. some relationships there as well. So I'll I'll have a yeah. squeeze with Please. them and see what they've got.
1: Please and, do. We need to because of see, the, One
0: hmm. of the things that I learned, right? So, I actually did my MBA in the US, right? And I was lucky enough to sometimes be able to go to workshops and things at MIT, hosted at Harvard, and things like that. Yeah. But here's the thing it's like, and now my MBA is relevant to me. And I actually don't want to say it wasn't relevant to me because I was I was very young when I did it, right? I was 25. I didn't know myself. I didn't understand myself. So it took me years to figure out how relevant it is to me. And I'm only seeing how I'm employing all those things now, years later in my business. But I think that you also want an MBA that is... And actually, when I think about it, it was super important for me to go to the school that I went to because a third of the MBA program was on gender, another third was it was on gender studies. And then another third was also around emotional intelligence. And when I say gender studies, it was about how do you maneuver the business world as a woman? Like, what are the differences between negotiating as a woman and as a man? Like, how do we use language when we negotiate so that we are lost in translation and we don't actually get what we want because yeah. of the language that we use how does our body language affect us so that was important right so it was the perfect program for me but what miso is saying is that you it sounds like gives maybe the perfect program for you i think okay. we put a lot of emphasis on the tie th- on the school and the reputation that it has versus what is the it that empathy, i empathy, mean yeah sure you yeah, know, um, what yeah, is it yeah. that I need that will help me in the environment in which I deal in? And sure. now I realize that actually my school was the exact right school for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. It gave me what I needed based on my personality, sure. you know, yeah. and that's important
2: all righty yeah, yeah yeah thanks for that advice ladies that, yeah. Yeah, i'm getting like you know free advice as well you know from the expert from mba oh, you know, the future is now here so now you know <laughs> is exciting, yeah, this so, is exciting really. no it is
1: very exciting so what uh resource or entrepreneurial resource do you want to share on this podcast you know people have listened to you they know now who you are do you have a book or a podcast or a youtube video that you that is your go-to when when you want to learn something is there anything like that that
2: you want to share yeah look i think ted ted talks i think you know ted ted talks yeah yeah Yeah. i follow that a lot because they've got all these experts that uh, overarching in terms of what they talk about, uh, in terms of from business to your personal life, you cannot yeah. uh, sort of separate the two as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So your business yeah. becomes a part of your life. So uh, when somebody says to me, "No, no, no, no chief, uh, it's not personal; it's business." To me, it doesn't exist because business is is, is, yeah. a, is largely a part of my life. It's it's what I do; it's what I breathe every single day. You know. So the TED mm-hmm. Talk. it it helps me especially on how to balance the two and how to sort of keep focused and, 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 and it also sort of throws forward what the future is, is, is going to look like. you know, Mm. so it's very diverse. It's It's a channel that has so many topics, so many speakers that are relevant. It's contemporary. It's, you know, so it's a very good resource. It's not a very technical resource, but once you, start following it and seeing what, picking what you like and sort of designing your own library of a watch list, mm. it starts adding a lot of value to you mm. uh, at a personal and at a business level as well. I love that. Yeah, because we, we sort of tend to, as entrepreneurs, we, we, all, we sort of give everything to the business and we neglect the, the human part of it. Yeah. And that also leads to a level of depression and loneliness and all that sort of, you know, things. Mm. That, yeah, that that's mm. why some entrepreneurs are yeah like me are single, you know, because the, the work is my life, you know. Vangi like me, is single. Is. Yes, Bangi. <laughs> <like
0: me>, the- <laughs> 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 I
1: don't know why like I am the last person that will judge this. I promise you. <laughs> you know what? we are uh, so you're talking to i mean he she's she's like that because that's what she teaches about she she just sits there it's like okay now you've finished you've completed the lesson so can we yeah. carry on <laughs> lovely but this has I been great
0: mm-hmm.
1: this has been amazing so
0: silo i actually i just want to say the first thing that you said before i even ask for your contact details i have a friend um in trinidad who always says everything is personal you know like whenever people tell her nothing is personal she's like everything is personal you know as you were talking i was like yeah no i grasp her i really do so how do people contact you how do they get hold of you
2: yeah um our website is still under development because we were we had a website and then we had to stop because we needed more content Uh, But they can go through our website. It's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. www.masebi.co.za. And you can contact me directly um, on my email address. Uh, My Gmail is my name and surname is Silo Masebi. So it's S-E-L-L-O-M-A-S-E. B-I, B for boy, B-I, Masebi at gmail.com. And you must also CC my uh, direct one uh, that goes to the office is my name sinlo, S-E-double-L-O at mm-hmm. So it's se at M-A-S-E-B-I dot co.za. And my number is 071 4089.
1: 4089 i'm available twenty four seven, three sixty five. 365. Wow. <laughs> i'm so proud Aww. of working so hard silo no, you've hey. been amazing you've given hey. more than more than what the the, the interview was about i kept yeah. saying to to, to Vangile, we haven't had an architect we haven't had a qs you know i mm. will think they know about these things and you've proven that over and over and yeah. so you've given us beyond the podcast yeah. on QA. Thank you,
2: thank you, thank you. I really yeah. appreciate the opportunity. Thank yeah,
0: uh, yeah. Thank yeah, you,
2: Silo. From- thank yeah. you. This was amazing. Amazing. <laughs> in my language. Um, yeah. Thank you, ladies, for the opportunity. I also learned quite a lot. Um, yeah. And I think what you're doing is very, very, very important and it's amazing. And it's mm-hmm. awesome in the sense that You are creating a channel um, that will enable us to educate the uh, up-and-coming youngsters and give them hope as well, the unemployed Mm. graduates as well. They need hope and they need to know that it's possible to, to live your dream. And it's really, really important that you guys grow this thing to become a colossal media giant. And we've got, we're behind you. I'll also share contacts with you and make sure that we build this thing and, and into what it deserves to be. But I really appreciate uh, what you guys have done. And thank you for your time. And have a, a wonderful day. Oh, thank,
0: thank you. Have a good thank day, Thank you Sam. so much, Lord. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you, my name is <laughs> Magicians, for tuning in today. We will see you in the next episode. Cheerio. Cheerio thank you for listening property magicians my name is Vangilia Makwakwa and i am your host on the show i help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their their bank accounts become financially free and live their best lives so if you would love to increase your income or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page or find me on Twitter and Instagram as Vangile Makwakwa. Now over to my co host
1: Thank you for listening. I am Dr. Miranda Prop doc, Doc Mom on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the host of Property Magicians podcast, and I'm a property mentor. I mentor newbie property investors to help them to begin and to take action. Your journey into property investment begins with me from property registration, from property company registration to picking the correct strategy that suits where you are at. Find me on my inbox at Miranda at wealthy Again, inbox me at Miranda at wealthy if you want me to help you start your property journey.